You're listening to Simperance Radio, episode number 202. And today we start a series on breaking down common lies in the health space. And today we're starting with calories are all that matters. Or you could even say all calories are created equal. Either way, we're going to uncover the truth inside today's podcast. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Schoen. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa, and this is the place to get healthy, live happy, and find more joy. I'm pumped that you're here today because we are starting something new. I really just want to help end confusion here in the health space and just get back to what is true. How does our body actually work and what was it designed for? Because if we can get back to that simple truth and just understanding the bare basics of what we need to know, health just becomes a part of who we are. It's no longer something we have to think about or live for. We can just live with it. And that's the beautiful thing about health. And so today we're going to start a series on breaking down common lies in the health space, mindset space, just kind of this whole general idea about wellness. And today we're starting with the lie, calories are all that matters. Or like I said in the beginning, All calories are created equal. So today, I'm going to be sharing the truth about that. But as always, to get all the information on today's show and more information specifically about calories and metabolism, make sure you head on over to the show notes at simpertswellness.com backslash 202. And while you're there, don't forget to check out some new things that are happening around here at Simperts Radio. One is I'm getting back into the personal consulting space. Yes, I went through this stint of just really needing to gather more knowledge in the mindset space and the behavioral change space. And man, I have learned so much and I can't wait to help people one-on-one again find healing in their journey. So if you're interested in having a complete life overhaul or just making simple shifts in your everyday and you want to get healthier once and for all, consider working with me personally on that journey. So to learn more information, head on over to simperitswellness.com or just find it in the show notes at simperitswellness.com backslash 202. Also, if you haven't heard by now, I am releasing a new class that I'm personally going to be teaching and it really just drives home the basics of here's how your body works and this is what it was designed for. Like we're going to be talking about that and breaking it down here on the podcast, but if you want that in-depth guide that pulls it all together into simple behavior change, simple rhythms that you can create in your own life to make health who you are, you're going to want to check out that eight-week class. You can combine that with personal consulting if you want to take that and some extra work together to really make it your own. There's a lot of different options, but really this year, like I said, my mission is to break down that confusion and really make this the year of your health. So if you want to join me again, head on over to SemperitesWellness.com to learn more about that. But for now, we're going to start with that lie, calories are all that matters. Here's the truth. Let's just lay it on the table, right? Like let's, you don't have to get to the end to hear the truth. The truth is it's not about calories as much as what your body does with those calories. And even more, there's so much to our body and energy than just calories in itself. So if we want to answer the question, calories are all that matters, the answer is like partly true, but mostly no. There's so much more that has to do with how our body's using the calories, and that's what really matters. At the same time, are all calories created equal? No, they're really not. And again, it goes back to what our body does with it. So the big point that I want to get across today as I teach you about what calories are, how our body uses it, and ultimately what the best energy sources are for our body, I want you to remember this and think about this in your life as you, as we talk about this in the coming days, in the coming weeks, and maybe as you look back and you kind of evaluate where you've come from, I want you to think about this. It's not so much what you're doing to your body, what you're feeding it, how much you're working out, all the things, as it is what your body does with it. And that's what really matters. And that's what makes health so difficult to put inside a box. Because this means that it is precisely and exactly individual. There's no overlapping guide or recommendation that works for the majority of the people. And it's because 
This is very individual. Like how your body uses the things that you put in it or on it or for it, it changes person to person. And so there's no clear and precise way to come up with an exact equation that's going to work. In fact, we're far from the mix, um, and I think that we're missing so many variables when it comes to just counting calories that are so important in the overall health of the body. So don't get hung up on calories, but I think it is important to know, okay, what is a calorie then? So maybe I can let go of this notion that calories are the end-all be-all and step into a new idea. So let's kind of take a few steps back and understand what exactly is a calorie? Scientifically speaking, a calorie is nothing more than a unit of energy. A calorie just states how much energy is being burned per something. Now, specifically talking about food, historically, scientists have defined calorie to mean a unit of energy or heat that could come from a variety of sources. In a nutritional sense, all types of food or important sources of calories or energy needed to live. In nutritional sense, All food across the board has some form of calorie attached to that. So just getting a little bit more history on this, in 1963, we defined calorie. We recognized that there was something to do with the food that we ate and how was it interacting with our body. Same kind of timeline when more energy practices came into be, like electrical energy, mechanical energy, all these things that we study so often externally that maybe we haven't studied as much internally. Regardless, we now have this idea of calories since the 1860s. And essentially what they found was that a calorie would be the amount of heat needed to raise the temperature of one kilogram of water from zero to one degree Celsius. So that's what a calorie is, is it's essentially a measure of heat produced, which is a measure of energy. Now, just to clarify this a little bit more and how we read a calorie on the label is a kilocalorie which in the 1925s, calories became scientifically defined in terms of joules, which are a unit typically used by physicists to describe the amount of work needed to force one Newton through one meter. (laughs) We don't need to know all that mumble jumble, right? Unless you're a physicist, we just don't need to know that. But what you do need to know is what you see on the label is a thousand small calories, which is now classified as a kilocalorie or just a big calorie that you see on your food label. Again, all of that to say that a calorie is a measure of energy based on the amount of heat or force that it's used in order to move an object or heat up some water, right? Like it's it's a measure of energy like so many other things. Now, what we have to find through understanding calories is that we've taken the big macronutrients, carbohydrates, protein, and fat, and we have labeled a specific or standard amount of calories per macronutrient. So for instance, every gram of carbohydrates has four calories. Every gram of fat has nine calories. Every gram of protein has four calories. So we have labeled these, and that's how we then go back and measure how many calories are in different food products based on this number. And at the end of the day, those calories are what produce energy inside of our body, energy for our cells and our brain, um, and really just for our body to work at optimum functioning. Like we were designed to consume energy, mostly in the form of food, but we're gonna talk about some other ways that we can actually energize our body and in the end, nourish our body in a more deep way outside of food. Because what we're gonna learn is, again, it's not so much how much you eat or what you eat. Yes, all calories are different, but what your body does with it and kind of understanding the importance behind that. So how does our body use calories? Well, the short answer is, is that we consume food. Our body or stomach digestive system breaks that food down into molecules of different nutrients and our digestive system absorbs that into the body and that is then transferred in our body to different cells to be used as energy. Now there's hormones involved like um, our gastric enzymes to be able to break that food down into energy. There's uh, other hormones like serotonin in our gut that actually help us to absorb the right amount of nutrients and energy. And then there's hormones like insulin that regulate how much energy gets into different cells. So we have all of this like total body picture of, yes, we can eat the food and we can measure the calories in the food, 
But you can start to see just right away with our, even how our, our stomach breaks down that food is going to change the way our body uses that food. Just simply based on the gastric enzymes that are happening, maybe the time of day, seasonality is going to be a huge component of this as well. So our body breaks that down, it's absorbed into the body, and our body uses that energy or it gets put into cells to produce energy, which means those cells can function and do the job that they were designed, just like everything in life needs energy to work, right? To turn it on. So that's that's a really short answer of really all you need to know about how our body uses energy. On the flip side, what happens when we consume more energy than our body needs is that once that energy gets into our bloodstream and our cells are tapped out, they're like, hey, we don't need any more energy, right? Then that energy specifically from carbohydrates circulates back into our liver and it gets converted into body fat stores through a process called lipogenesis. That's how we get excess body fat stores is through the process of excess energy. Now, I'm going to expand on that because there are definitely other ways that we can get excess body fat stores or essentially consume so much food and have an abundance of energy and yet still be malnourished. So there's a lot more to the picture than that. But that's the basic premise of how calories in versus calories out came to be, right? If we consume more than we burn, then that excess energy gets stored through the process of lipogenesis producing these fat cells. Clearly, there are ways that we can burn fat, and exercise is a very common one. If we burn more than we consume, then the idea is that we will lose weight. Now, there's pretty good foundational research behind that, and that is very accurate. I'm not against that. Like, yes, I think that if we burn more than we consume, that we will, in some level, lose weight. The problem with that, though, is that our body is very adapt to survival, So what happens is, is that often in this equation, when you start to consume less and burn more, your body's going to come back and meet whatever you're doing, meet that criteria. So if you're consuming less, then your body's going to put out less energy. So it starts to conserve. It starts to just kind of meet you where you are. So you might lose weight or a small percentage of weight initially, but in time, it's not going to work. And that's because your body is so efficient at keeping up with your efficiencies. And so your body is really working working to stay in this homeostatic balance, which is considered your weight set point. Now, a lot of people don't like that because it makes weight loss extremely difficult. But I'm going to break down that maybe we're just going about this in the wrong way or looking at calories too in depth when calories aren't really the issue. It's how our body's using that. And that's all these other components that we're going to talk about. We know how calories are broken down in our body through our digestive system, absorbed and put into cells, excess are generally stored. So to me, it's not the question of calories in equals calories out because we know that equation is pretty false. Like if that were true, if it were as simple as a simple equation, we would be a nation of fit people, right? Like no one willingly walks themselves into unhealth um, and works as hard as we do to get out of it right? Like it, it's just, it just doesn't work. And I wish it weren't the case because again, there's more layers to how our body uses the energy or how our body burns the energy. And I think that's the most important component to this. I mean, we can even back this up with science and new research that's coming out. For instance, one of Australia's leading obesity experts, Professor John Dixon, who's the head of clinical obesity research at Baker Heart and Diabetes Institute. He says, that human biological system is designed to regulate its own weight independent of the person's choices. Again, catch that. Our bodies are designed to regulate our weight independent of a person's choices. So if you reduce the fuel that goes into your system, it becomes incredibly efficient at reducing the amount of fuel it spends. It does things like reduce your temperature, turn down your thyroid activity, and make muscle move efficiently and less. He continues, for the general population, calorie counting has never worked because the body has a set point around which it regulates. Although a calorie is a standard unit of energy, each body machine handles it differently. To further that, like he mentions, the simple equations of calories in equals calories out does not include or account for hormonal changes, insulin resistance, autoimmune conditions like PCOS and other health problems, right? There's so much more to this equation. 
So let's just talk about some of the factors that are actually influencing the energy in and the energy out because this is what's going to become the most vital thing to understand with calories. So when we look at factors, right, there's four things that generally involve calories in. We have our appetite, we have the food consumed, we have the calories absorbed, and then we have psychological factors. And this is the one that's most often left out, and the one that I want to hit home hard today, because it's in our mind that determines how our body's going to use that. So we're going to talk a lot about that. But let's just start at the top with appetite. So what things are influencing our appetite? We have hormones that are influencing our appetite, and satiety. So there are different hormones, leptin and ghrelin. I've done an entire podcast about that. But essentially, how our hormones are working that day is going to greatly impact our overall appetite. And the number one driver of a change in hormones is actually sleep. So you might find that the less sleep you have or the more exhausted you feel, the more your need for energy increases or the hungrier you get, the more you have cravings, especially for unhealthy foods because your body's looking for a quick source of energy. And our appetite hormones are directly stimulated by our sleep. And so sleep is going to be critically important in all of this, and you're going to see this repeated throughout the course of these factors. The second factor is food consumed. And this is going to be influenced by the availability, the palatability. How are you liking that food? Is it tasting good? Is it highly satisfying? Is it rich? The energy density of that. Again, your sleep quality. Even though education and culture are also going to make a difference here. The third thing is calories absorbed. Now, again, this is where it gets a little bit different for everyone because, well, you could put 10 people in a room and make them all consume the exact same meal, the exact same calorie count that has been studied, right? And every single person is going to use that food in a different way. Some people might lose weight from that. Some people might gain weight from that. So we can't say just a set amount of calories is going to work for everyone because of the difference in how calories are absorbed. And this is gonna be influenced by your micronutrient intake, so how nutritious the food is. Again, why not all calories are created equal? Your microbiome, so your gut bacteria is going to greatly influence how much energy is absorbed and what nutrients are absorbed. Your health status, your energy status, meaning how much energy you burn on any given day. The macronutrient intake, so again, the ratio of carbohydrates, protein, and fat not having any too much of one or too little of the other, your age is going to take a difference, and how that food was prepared. So boiled, sautéed, all of those things. And lastly, the seasonality of this idea and the seasonal component of this. Basically, your body is designed to eat what's in season for a reason and partly due to this idea of just it knows what kinds of energy it's looking for during different seasons to prepare the body for that. So calories absorbed is greatly influenced by a number of different factors that is very individualized and has to be looked at in a very individualistic way. And the last thing that influences energy in is going to be your psychological factors. So this is where we go back to the idea that you can look at food and actually gain weight just by looking at it. And I know that blows a lot of people's minds, but again, it goes back to show the power of the mind, that food or what we would consider physical energy is not the only source of energy there is. In fact, energy in itself is relatively invisible. Think about other sources of energy that we have. We have light, which we can see. We have sound, which we cannot see. We have gravitational energy and chemical energy, nuclear energy, atomic energy. There's so much energy that's happening in the world that is very invisible to our eye. And we can't discount that. Just because a food looks like energy doesn't mean that there's not other energy sources inside of our bodies that are influencing how much energy is in, even if you're not putting it in, it's still getting in your body versus how much energy is burned. And one big area of that is the psychological energy or psychological factors that influence energy. So stress is going to be one of the leading characteristics in a change in in how our body burns or uses that energy. The more stressed our body is, the more likely we are to conserve. And 
quote unquote, just survive. Like, like it or not, our body's main mechanism is still survival. Like it is hardwired for survival. It loves to thrive. And that's really where we want to be, where health is just who we are. It's just a part of us. But too many people are living in a survival mode. And part of that survival mode comes from this perception that our environment is out to harm us. There's something there that's causing a mass amount of stress And our body doesn't have an indicator that there is food available on every corner. So what it does is that it starts to shut down the cells. Again, your body is very efficient in meeting you where it thinks it needs to be for survival. So you lose energy to your muscles. You move less. You start craving more foods. You start sitting more and becoming more sedentary and becoming less energized. Like negative thoughts are literally sucking energy right out of your body or storing that negative energy in bad ways, which is also creating fat cells. So think of survival as conservation. Your body's slowing down, it's shutting down, and it's conserving and hoarding all the energy it can in case it needs it, right? And so stress is often influenced in what we eat and also what our body does with it. So if you sit down to eat a meal, even if it's the healthiest meal, like even if you're only eating a thousand calories a day and you're under stress, your body is going to absorb all of those calories and really just pump up those fat cells. Like it's going to change your hormones. Sometimes it's going to break down muscle mass in your body and convert it to fat because our reality is survival of the fittest is the fattest live the longest. So it can start breaking down your own body stores and converting it into fat cells because that is really, in survival, the best way to survive. It's not the healthiest thing for our body. Our body doesn't love to do it, but it will do it anytime it feels threatened. So our threats or our perceived threats are going to change our energy in, as is our mindset, so the posture in which we come to the table, in which we sit down, our perceived control. Like if we're so focused on the outcome, oftentimes that creates more stress internally. Our self-esteem is going to influence our energy in. And again, our sleep quality also influences our mind, which influences this whole cascade reaction. So those are some big factors in energy in. Again, it's appetite, food consumed, calories absorbed, and our psychological factors. How we think about what we eat, that's what matters. Now on the flip side, What factors influence energy out? We're going to go through this a little bit more quickly, um, but that's energy burned at rest, which is often influenced by our body size, hormonal status, gender, dieting history, genetic factors, health status, sleep quality. All of those things influence energy at rest. Then we have energy burned through exercise, which we hear about all the time, which is obviously influenced by our exercise ability, the intensity, the duration, the frequency, the type, the environment, our hormonal status, and again, our sleep quality. Number three is energy burned by non-exercise activity. This is where we live the majority of our waking days. This would be our health status, energy status, stress level, hormonal status, our occupation, our leisure activities, and even our genetic factors are going to play a role here. And the last one is, is energy burned by metabolizing food. Yes, we do burn energy when we consume foods. Like there is work that it takes to break down and process and digest this food. And that's going to be influenced mostly by macronutrient makeup. So when it comes to calories, again, going back to this idea that not all calories are created equal and calories in equals calories out is a very falsified equation. Like there is some truth to it, but our reality is, is it isn't so much what we consume, but what our body does with it that matters. Like our reality is that we could consume 650 calories in a meal, but that doesn't mean your body's going to absorb all of those calories. And it also doesn't mean that 658 calories is what's going to be used. Part of that could be stored or we could create energy on top of that, which also gets stored. So the absorption rates vary across all food types and body types and lifestyle environments. And so we have to get back to what are some leading factors that influence this and how can we help those factors? Now, there are five big factors I believe make all the difference when it comes to how our body's using the energy that we're consuming. And those big factors are going to be the mindset. I can't express this enough. Like if you are stressed, your body is inherently going to store so much and it's going to hold on to that 
prevent it from going away. So your body loves to hoard things when it's in survival mode, and it's really going to hold on to that until your body gains trust with you again. So you really have to work together and provide the trust your body's working for. So psychological factors. It's impossible to eliminate all stress, but I think that we can learn to let some go. And we're going to talk more intently about this, especially in the course I'm doing, but also here in the podcast. So that matters. Seasonality, I think, is one of the most underplayed nutritional components there is and lifestyle components that there is. And the reason for this is is our body and our bacteria is changing with the different seasons. Like our bodies just need different things as the temperature change, as the light of the sun changes for us. Like our bodies are going to adapt differently based on the seasonality of that. So we have to be cautious and, and use seasonality. I mean, these are pretty basic principles. We just have to be aware of that. So again, we have mindset, we have seasonality, sleep. Every single one of these factors, whether energy in or energy out, is influenced by sleep. If we're not sleeping well, we're not doing anything well inside of our body, and we're really just going back to survival. So we have to put an emphasis back into how can I sleep better? How can I reach deep sleep? The fourth thing, I think, is the posture in which we eat the food. We're going to talk about this later on, and I've done a podcast before about it, but how you come to the table is going to influence what your body does with it. If you're stressed and you're tense, where you're often in what's called sympathetic mode, or if you're standing up to eat or eating in the car, this is our stress phase. This is not our, our place where our body easily digests and absorbs food. And so if we're not eating in the parasympathetic mode, which is our rest and digest phase, what's going to happen is that we're not going to release the right amount of enzymes. Our body needs to break it down. It's going to sit in the stomach. It can cause bloating and gassiness and irritable bowel and acid reflux, but it's also going to greatly change our gut bacteria, kind of kill off our good gut bacteria, which we work so hard to restore. And it's also going to change what your body does with it once it's inside the body. Like we think that when we're up and moving, that's when our body needs energy, right? But our reality is, is our body actually needs space to digest that energy and to put it into cells. And then you can go and use that energy. Like why did your mom tell you, you shouldn't swim or run right after you eat a meal? Because she knew that your body needed time to rest. And so we shouldn't be eating on the move because your body actually needs that space and that rest to put all of its attention into digesting that food and putting that food where it needs to go. Also, getting rid of excess so you're not conserving it all. And therefore, you can have an abundance of energy. Not if you're eating on the go, then your body's kind of fighting this battle of, do I put energy in the extremities where my body needs it or in, into my mind, or do I j- digest the food? So it's kind of like trying to do both at once and it can't multitask. Like it can either be in sympathetic mode or parasympathetic mode, not both together. And so it really becomes conflicted and stress, like inflammation is released, all these bad things. I mean, it sounds really intricate, but really all you need to know is the posture in which you come to food matters. You should be seated. You should have some deep breaths, be relaxed, as relaxed as possible. I know it seems like an impossible feat, especially if you have young kids, but come to the table prepared and excited to eat food because food should be pleasurable and taste good, palatable. That really does change the energy in, in a positive way. Oh, and number five is the nutrient density. Not all calories are created equal. That is absolutely true. I mean, there's a great difference in a 100-calorie snack pack and a 100-calorie banana or a 100-calorie apple, right? Those two are not created equal. Even if all the numbers align, there's something very different and definitely more nutritious in whole foods grown of the earth rather than packaged foods. And your body will do something completely different no matter how much an equation tells you otherwise. So, Those are some things to be aware of, but really, I think what I'm most passionate about in this whole idea is that we don't just get energy from the food that we consume, and I think this is a huge myth in the health world and something that's not even really being studied in depth yet, and I wish it was, because we study energy medicine all the time in the external world, right? Like I talked about electricity and nuclear energy and radio waves and EMFs, right? Like uh, 3G and 4G and now the 5G, right? Like that's all energy. It's measures of energy. And our entire external world is really summed up by different measures of energy. 
Unfortunately, inside the body, the only energy we really ever talk about is food energy. And that's just a small component of the energy that's inside the body. I mean, we have other energy, like our thermal energy, which helps us maintain constant body temperature. Mechanical energy, which helps us to move. Electrical energy, which sends out nerve impulses and fires signals to and from our brain. It also communicates with our hormones. And of course, the energy that's stored in foods and and in body energy. We can't miss this, though, because this is really important. I think what's happening in the society is that we're so fixated on energy because most of us feel like we're lacking energy, right? We want more energy and we want to lose weight. And so the answer is, is like this intricate balance of calories in equals calories out, making you a slave to your diet, kind of making you hate diets altogether, right? Like the concept of health becomes something so consuming And it literally is sucking energy out of you as opposed to filling you back up. And so what I've been studying over the course of the last few years is this idea that we have to be getting energy from more than just food. Like I look at my kids and I think some days they can eat a ton of food and on the other days and weeks they seem to eat nothing and yet they have this abundance of energy. And I'm really starting to believe that there is an abundance of energy out there. We're just not allowing ourselves to open up to be able to experience that. So what I mean by that is if we go back to this mindset component and if we go back to this posture in which we come to the table, this idea of our mindset and our belief systems is changing our energy flow. So what we know and what we've studied, and this has actually been studied, is that we have certain emotions in our body that stimulate a positive energy reaction or what we would consider a high frequency. And we have other emotions that simulate a really low frequency. Now, like anything in our body, we want to maintain homeostasis. So our body is always working to stay in balance. So what we're noticing about the mindset is, is that if people are constantly living in the stress state or this overly negative state, Um, where we're fearing things, we have a lot of anxiety, we're kind of living for external stimuli, what happens is, is that the body is going to start conserving. So cells are literally starting to shut down. Their receptors are changing so that they're not opening up to the nutrients and the energy that's actually going to give them life because it's going into survival mode. And survival is really every man for themselves. So these cells start to shut down and their positive receptors for positive emotions and other nutrients actually starts to close off and things aren't easily allowed in or out. And so what happens is we start to see this conservation in our body where cells are just trying to maintain themselves rather than working as a whole in harmony. So we start to see things become really out of balance, right? And that's where we see the separation of the body into the cardiovascular system and the endocrine system um, and the vascular system, all these different systems because symptoms become apparent often in one system, even though clearly the body's being affected as a whole. So just because you have a cardiovascular problem doesn't mean it's just limited there Everything in your body is being affected in some way. The symptoms just seem to be presenting in that way. So I think it's important, one, to get outside of the symptom-based focus and step into the whole of who we are. And again, I think that comes back to these frequencies of our mind and how that's influencing the cells in our body. So just to give you an example of this, something really fascinating in cancer research is that they can't grow cancer cells outside of the body or outside of a body, right? And so if they take cancer cells and they put them in a petri dish, they're not growing. And one of the reasons for this, or the big reason, the only reason for this is that there has to be an emotional component or stress component in order for cancer cells to grow and to expand. And so in animals, of course, they can put it in, stress the animal, and the cancer will grow. But if the animal's not stressed, the cancer doesn't grow. Like the body takes care of it, gets rid of it, does its thing, and it's never a problem. I think this is, again, research that we don't hear a lot about, but makes all the difference, right? So again, if we go back to the body and the idea of calories or energy or weight loss or whatever it is, we have to understand the posture in which we're consuming food is going to make all the difference. And this posture is, Either this idea of living in fear, of um, living in overwhelm, chaos, anxiety, all these things, which I know on some level isn't controlled. Like some people really do need help getting out of that. And I totally understand that. Like for me, I know I need a little bit of dopamine in my life. 
to help myself get back into this positive mind. But on the flip side, we know in studied research that if we're living a life of love, we're open to love, we're giving love, we're accepting of love, we have a lot of gratitude, we're vulnerable. These are all high-frequency emotions. Joy, hope, all of these things are very high-frequency emotions, which means that we're allowing energy in and we're allowing energy out. <laughs> See, we're not just allowing energy in when we're scared and shutting down in survival, which is what survival mode does. It allows energy in and then it stockpiles energy. It's not allowing it back out. But like I said, on the flip side, when you're living a life of love, then essentially that energy is coming in and your body's allowing it to be released outward as well. So you're kind of letting things in and letting them out, doing efficiently what your body is supposed to do. And therefore, you can consume really an indefinite amount of calories, whatever that looks like for you. And it's not doing anything to worsen your weight or worsening your health symptoms, right? It's only enhancing that. So again, the two states of the mind, either fear or love, is greatly influencing what our body does. At the same time, I think when we start to look at these calories is that we can see these negative emotions just start building up in our body and causing excess fat. Like I really believe that there's some level of weight that is just a means of your body surviving one, right? Like when I got sick, I think my body was surviving, but I also think that there's a lot of stored emotion in that. And there's a lot of these energies that are outside of just the food that we consume that is influencing the fat there. So I think people often will develop fat as a protective mechanism for their emotions to hide behind a trauma or an event that had happened that they really just don't want to let go of, that they want to hold on subconsciously, right? I'm not saying that you specifically are just holding on to that to harm your body because no one would ever do that. But that's what the body is doing as a means for survival. It's hiding behind something. It's it's protecting itself in these layers of fat. So how do we get ourselves to be more in love? Because that's really where we're going to find health and where we're going to find energy even outside of food. So I think we have to go back to, again, start looking at not just what's going to fix my problem, but what's going to fill me up. What are some activities and events that actually bring me joy, that let me experience this idea or this concept or these emotions of love? Because I know in love, I can start to release what I've been holding onto that is actually causing me to have a lack of energy. Negative emotions suck the life out of you. They're taking energy, making your body stimulate your appetite to eat more energy to fill this vicious cycle that's happening over here in this body. But if we can switch our idea, if we can move ourselves into this openness of love, allowing things to come in and flow freely out, then we can start to grasp that energy isn't just coming from food, but I'm actually getting filled up on things that I enjoy. Like think about people who are in love. Like they say people who are falling in love can't get sick. And part of this is, is because they're literally just not storing bad things. Like bad things are just leaving as quickly as they're coming. Like our body is very efficient. So we can kind of feel that like the excitement of feeling in love makes you have all this added energy, like an extra pep in your step. And we really could have that all the time. And so again, if we go back to this idea of energy, we can't just look at food energy. We have to look at internal sources of energy and other sources of energy like self-care and like our relationships, like our financial situations, like our work environment. All of these things can actually provide you with energy outside of just needing to get it from food. And these other energies that you're using to fill yourself up you'll actually find that you crave less food, you need less food, and you actually have more of an abundance of energy. So there's something to be said here, and you're gonna hear me talk a lot about this all year long. And I don't want this to be woo-woo. Like, this is study. I love the medical community. I think it's very necessary. I just wish that we would understand other forms of energy that are happening inside of our body Because I think this is where health needs to go in order to see real change is into what we would consider energy medicine. And what's fascinating is that so many of the tools that we have in the medical industry are based in energy, right? Like an MRI is just measures of energy. A CAT scan is measures of energy. Uh, Ultrasound is just energy, right? Like all of these scans are energy, but we're not treating our body as an energy mechanism. Anyways, That's a little rant beside the point. What I'm hoping 
you're getting out of all of this and just me rambling is that this is more than just a calorie thing. It's a mind, body, soul perspective. And I think that there are a lot of really important things that we could be doing for our health that don't involve the food that we eat. (laughs) I want to talk about the food that we eat because that is my expertise, right? But I don't think that the food actually matters until we grasp this other idea or these other concepts that it's not just about calories, but it's what your body does with it. And what your body does with it is influenced by the mind and the soul. So maybe we need to reverse that hierarchy and stop putting so much emphasis into the body, which I believe is just a byproduct of the soul and the mind. Like I think it has to come from this spirituality, this faith, your beliefs, because that's your belief system, which translate into your mind, creating the perceptions and ultimately the action. And whatever is going on in both of those components, your body is a byproduct of that. And so we have to go back there and understand those. Like negativity drains your energy. It does, and it makes you conserve it. It doesn't just drain it like exercise drains it, but it drains your energy and conserves it all at the same time. So it makes you feel tired and sluggish all the while you tend to be gaining a little bit more weight. Now, on the flip side, things that do take energy, like exercising, a lot of people just look at this as energy out, but exercise can actually be a great way to put energy back into your system. Like it can be invigorating. It can give you more energy if it's done in the right way with the right mindset. Beating your body into submission is a life suck. Um, pushing your body to extremes, no pain, no gain, all that mentality, that is literally sucking the life out of you. That is mistreating and misusing your body outside the intention it was designed. But if you can just get back into moving your body in love because you know that's so good for it, then you can actually start to see an energy expenditure with an energy in, providing that energy, giving you more energy so that you actually in time need less. I know it's this whole like good equals bad, bad equals good, like all this stuff, right? But I really, really, really want to express this. Stress equals conserve. Thrive equals release. And I want you to get back into that thriving state because that's where our body was designed to live. Yes, the ultimate the ultimate endpoint for our body is just straight up survival. Our body's really great at that and it will go into survival mode anytime it feels threatened. But I really want us to get back into thriving. Which brings me to that point of it's so much more than just what you eat. It's it's what your body does with it. And to further that, food is not just about nutrition. It's about friends and memory and love and life. Like food is meant to provide pleasure and experience to enjoying life. And that's what we have to get back to. So I want you to ponder a few things. And I have a few mindset things that maybe you could journal or write out. Because I really, in all of this, like I want us to... Stop focusing on this idea of being model skinny and think about what would it mean for you to fit into the body that you were given so that you can be proud of yourself in whatever size that looks like. And I'm not saying that um, we shouldn't work to be at a healthy weight because I definitely think that this whole process is about learning and growing. But on some level, we have to accept where we are and then also accept the idea of just growth and learning and continuing to get there. Like I think the most loving thing that we can do is to be willing and open to growing and learning and, and becoming better at all things and in health. So here's a few things that can help you anytime that you sit down to eat. One is to take a moment to think about what do you feel like eating? Like maybe you don't feel like eating that quote unquote diet food that you've been bringing, or maybe you don't even feel like eating that fast food that you were going to grab because that's just what's easy and you're just over this whole idea of diet. Like think about what you want to eat and eat that. Trust your cravings in some way. And then number two, no matter what food that is, no matter how nutrient dense it is or not nutrient dense, no matter how many calories or how little calories it has, I want you to sit down and really enjoy that food. Like it's supposed to be an experience. It's supposed to take it in with all of your senses to really have pleasure in that. And what's so fascinating about this is I think when we come back to this right relationship with food and we really start to experience it, what you're going to find is all the foods that you used to eat thinking like, I can't get rid of these foods because man, I just, I can't, like, I can't imagine my life without sugar or I can't imagine my life without that latte or those French fries. I think if you really sat down and you experienced them, you might realize that experience wasn't as pleasurable as you made it out to be. You were just living off the rebellion of not having it. 
Like that was creating your pleasure. Your pleasure was doing something because you feared you wouldn't get to anymore. You weren't actually getting the pleasure from the taste or the experience of the food, but the idea or the component of what you believed about that food. So if we just go back to the experience based on the food that you consume, I really think that in health, our bodies really do crave healthy things. Yes, indulgences from time to time, those are to be enjoyed, but really sit down and experience this. I think I told this story before, and I know I'm getting really long in this podcast, but clearly a little fired up over here. But I used to be obsessed with Starbucks chai lattes, and I, you know, like I still love chai, but I really had to come to this idea of there was so much sugar in it, and I didn't love it in the way that I made it, quote unquote, healthier. So one day I did. I I went there, and I ordered a grande, and I sat down by myself, and I really just savored it. And what I found was, was that I didn't even like it that much. I liked the idea behind it. I liked the memories. I liked the experience that it brought. Like I liked to drive through the drive-thru and pick up a hot drink and take it with me when I ran errands or like it provided some kind of comfort, emotional comfort. I gave food more power than it ever needed to have. I, I gave it a moral assignment and food should never have that. Um, but when I really started to sit down with it, I was like, man, this is kind of bitter. Um, it leaves a funny film in my mouth. Like it's okay, but it's not great. And so I really like sensed that time. Like, yes, it took me a while to kind of phase out of that, but I really do think about it. It sounds good. Like I want the experience of that more than I actually want that. So now I'm thinking, okay, what could I have the same experience with that actually makes me feel good? So now when I go to Starbucks, I get like an iced mint green tea, delicious by the way, or I get one of their hot wellness teas, really good. So I have the experience. I'm not taking away the experience of that. I'm actually enjoying that, but also not the expense of my health just because of a perception that I had created around that. So that's just an example of that. So really sit down with your food, experience it. You might find that you really do enjoy some things and the more you enjoy it, the less you'll actually eat. Like think about all these really high-end restaurants. They don't just serve small plates because they want to save money. They serve small plates because there's actually an intense satisfaction and a feel good that comes with that, making diners come back for more. So they're creating an experience with all of your senses that really drives that and makes it pleasurable. And then pay attention to your breath as you eat. I think a lot of us are eating in these like high intense situations. We're eating in the car. When the kids are crying, we're eating over the sink for breakfast. No, 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 no. We're supposed to be eating in the rest and digest phase, which means you need to have slow and steady breaths when you're eating your food. And it's supposed to be eaten in a posture of sitting down. Like nowhere in history do people stand up to eat their food. It's always been sitting down, even sitting on the floor. Sit down and pay attention to your breath rate. If you feel tense or stressed, take a few moments to breathe deeply. I think that this is also the importance of praying before you eat is like, I think in all of these religious practices that happened, we're going to talk about fasting later on. It created the right posture to consume your food. Not this like, I'm going to sit down and shovel it into my mouth, but it like made you sit for a minute. And bring yourself to the table rather than in having your mind scattered in a million different directions. So those are big three things that I really want you to pay attention to as you go throughout the week. But if we really get into, okay, what are some practical things that I could be doing? Here they are. Five big tips. One, you have to sleep. Sleep changes every single biological function that's happening inside your body, changing every energy component, even outside of food. If we're not sleeping well, we are not doing anything well in our body and our body is constantly in conserve. We know this, right? Like if you're exhausted, you crave all the things, you need all the caffeine to survive, you just eat nonstop. And that's literally your body crying out for hunger. So how can you get more sleep? Or if you're sleep deprived, how can you use other external components or other internal components to fill yourself back up? Can you grab a massage? Can you um, read a good book? Can you take a nap over lunch? Like do something that will fill you back up, even if it's a walk or something like that. Which brings me to number two, take notice of what fills you up. What outside of food actually feels like it provides energy for you? Is it exercise? Is it, maybe it's not your boot camp class, but maybe it's that walk with a friend. Maybe it's having a morning routine or a nighttime routine. Maybe it's putting your phone down and stop scrolling and talking with someone over lunch. Do more things that fill you up. Number three is enjoy the food that you eat. If we're not enjoying it, it's metabolized 
significantly different than if we're actually enjoying the food and feeling satisfied because of that. So enjoy it. Pay attention to the quality of calories. Yes, not all food is created equal. Remember, eat more whole foods. This is not something that I really have to tell you because you know that answer, right? You know you should be eating the right foods. The answer is, how do I get myself to desire that? And I think if you're just paying attention to that, that will make all the difference, but really work to achieve that quality of calories. And number five is pay attention to the posture in which you come to food. Make it a rule that you have to sit down to eat your meals and your snacks. Make it a rule that you have to take a series of five deep breaths before you start eating. Make it a rule that you say a prayer before every meal. Make it a rule that you sit down in the company of other people. Make it a rule that you only eat foods that you actually want to eat and that you actually enjoy. Make it a rule that you put your phone down. Make it a rule that you never have the TV on in front of or when you're consuming food. Like there's all sorts of things that you could be doing to have the right posture when it comes to eating food. And this can change everything. So all of that to say, you got to enjoy the food that you do. You've got to stop giving it a moral assignment because food should never have that much power. Food is nothing more than nourishment. And if we go back to enjoying the nourishment that it can provide, not expecting it to be the end-all be-all for our energy, but just something that we can enjoy to nourish and satisfy our body, I think that puts food in a whole new level. And it takes its power away, like it can no longer control us. But that means we have to do the work of the mind and the soul because that is what matters more than anything else. The body is a byproduct. Never forget that. So this week, I want you to take time to go back to those questions. Think about what you feel like eating. Take time to experience and enjoy it. Pay attention to the posture in which you come to the table. These things will change how much food you consume and how your body uses it. Again, the last thing I'm going to say is it's not so much how much your body consumes or how many calories you take in. It's what your body does with it that matters. And these are the components that change that. Okay, that's it for today's podcast. Lie number one, which I'm fiery about, right? (laughs) I think these lies are going to be so fun. So next week, I have another lie that I'm going to present on the table. It's different than this one. Um, And so we're going to break down that. And hopefully throughout the course of this series or this year, however long it needs to be, I hope that you start to implement these sacred rhythms into your life, these rhythms that allow you to live in health, making it just who you are, not another thing you do, to not just concentrate solely on the problem, on the symptoms, on the fact that you're broken, and really start to see you as not broken, but enough as you are, and how then can you go back and fill yourself? Okay, don't forget to head to the show notes at semperancewellness.com backslash 202 to get all the information on today's show. I'm going to be laying out those mindset points and giving you those five tips with five very practical steps that you could implement this week into your life. So head on over there to do that. Don't forget, if you want some personal consulting, I am back and I'm your girl. There is no program set in stone. This is all a matter of what do you need and how can we make this work for you? So check that out as well as my eight-week course that's gonna be launching soon. It's a quick launch. It's only open for a short period of time. It's live every single month with me. You're gonna wanna be involved in that because it is going to lay a foundation of health that you never have to think about this again. So stay tuned for that and get all the details at simperancewellness.com and I will see you back here next week.